What a lovely little Torah. Good afternoon. It's Tuesday, 12.15 p.m. Time for our weekly lunch and learn. This is lunch and learn number 109. Remember the old days when we used to get together at synagogue for our lesson and a yummy lunch. But been quite a few months that we're on Facebook Live every Tuesday for our Lunch and Learn session. It's about a 60-minute session, and we study another topic every week. And we are getting ready to begin our Lunch and Learn, number 109. Today we're going to talk about this little guy here, a Torah. We're going to talk about Simchas Torah, the upcoming holiday, and we are going to start momentarily. Hi Jody and Roy, nice to see you. Happy Sukkot! Today is the fourth day of the Yom Tiv, of the holiday of Sukkot, Sukkot. And every day we have the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah, eating in the sukkah, shaking the four kinds as we discussed and learned last week about the four kinds. If you'd like us to come by, please let us know when's a good time. And we will be glad to come by outdoor and give you a chance to shake the Luluv and the Esrog. Or you can come by to, to uh, here. I'm at the rabbi's house for the next, uh, for the afternoon. Here we are, lunch and learn. We're getting ready to study some Torah. And we're going to learn about Torah, the holiday of the Torah, Simchas Torah. Hi, everybody uh, joining here. And we're going to divide today's lesson into four sections. As we usually do, we're going to touch upon um, what are we celebrating? You know, now we're in Sukkot. Sukkot is a seven-day holiday. It began Friday night and it concludes Friday evening. And then we move right into the next holiday. The holiday is called Shemini Atzeres, is the first day, and then goes Simchas Torah. So it's 48 hours from Friday night till Sunday night. The first 24 hours on Shabbos is the day called Shemini Atzeres. And the day following from Saturday night till Sunday night is called Simchas Torah. This is the holiday. It goes right after Sukkot. It's a separate holiday. <clears throat> but but uh, even though it comes right after, it's a separate holiday. We're going to talk about this holiday. What are we celebrating? How we celebrate it? And what are some of the lessons that we can take along with us? Hi, Michael and Maureen. Hi, Gary. We are just about ready to begin our Lunch and Learn. We have a source sheet. You should have received it in your email or you can download it here from the post. Download, print it out, and let's get ready to begin. Chag Sameach. Even though it's Sukkot, we still have three more days after today to the holiday of Sukkot, but it's the last Lunch and Learn before Simchas Torah. So we'll talk about Simchas Torah. We'll talk about what we're celebrating. We'll talk about the final portion of the Torah which we read on Simchas Torah. We'll look at some of the verses and try to take out some inspiring lessons um, that can give us some insight and perspective on this holiday. Here we go. Once again, say hi to our little Torah that's accompanying us uh, on our journey today for 60 minutes. Here we go. Source number one. Source number one on our source sheets. 
Source sheet, source number one, a quote from the book of Leviticus from the Torah on the eighth day after describing the seven-day holiday of Sukkot. The Torah continues to say that on the eighth day, the first day after Sukkot, you shall observe a sacred occasion. It is a sacred day. It is a day which is holy, which means that we refrain from work as we do on Shabbos and holidays. Hi, Eddie, Oded, we're just beginning. Topic today is Simchas Torah, and the verse in the Torah, we always like to go to the sources, to see everything up front from the real source. And the Torah tells us, by Yom Ashmini, on the eighth day, hi Amy, on the eighth day, it is a sacred day. After seven days of Sukkot, comes Shmini Atzeris, eighth day is a holy day. So even though it is the holiday today, but the holiday of Sukkot is broken up into two parts. We have the first day and the second day, which is holy days that we refrain from work and so on. We don't, we wouldn't be able to have a, a class on the phone. But now it's called Chol Hamoed, the weekday of the holiday. The final five days are days of holiday. We sit in the Sukkah and we shake the four kinds, and there are certain you know restrictions, but generally. It's, uh, it's not as holy as if one needs to go to work, they can go and work. But after the seven days comes the eighth day, and here we have the eighth and the ninth day, it is a sacred occasion. It's, again, it's, well, this year begins with Shabbos and Sunday as well as a Yom Tiv is a holiday, a biblical holiday, a sacred occasion. What's interesting is that most holidays have a specific mitzvah associated with it. On Rosh Hashanah, we blow the shofar, on Yom Kippur, we fast, Sukkot, we sit in the sukkah, we shake the kind, we eat matzah on Pesach, and so on. Hanukkah, we light the candles, on Purim, we uh, get dressed up, and we have a meal, and give gifts of uh, gifts to each other, and so on. We read the Megillah, on Shavuos, we read the Ten Commandments. But Simchas Torah, does the Torah doesn't tell us what to do on this holiday. There's no mitzvah. Of the eighth day, the Shmini, Shmini Atzeres, or the final day, Simchas Torah. Rather, it's over the years, hundreds and hundreds of years, there are many Jewish customs, Minhagim, associated with this day. Let's take a look at source number two. On the night of Simchas Torah, this is a quote from Shulchan Aruch, Code of Jewish Law. On the night of Simchas Torah, we remove all of the Torah scrolls from the Ark and sing songs and praises while encircling the Bima seven times. This is called Hakafos. Maybe we know that we do it, but here you see clear, it's in the code of Jewish law, Shulchan Aruch. What does Ramah, Ramosha Israelish tell us, the rabbi of Krakow in the 15th century, what does he tell us, 16th century, what does he tell us? That it's an ancient Jewish custom. That on the night of Simchas Torah, which this year is Saturday night, Motzei Shabbos, this upcoming Saturday night, what do we do? Hi, Gail. We open the Ark. Usually we open the Ark, we take out one Torah scroll, two, sometimes three. But here, we take out all of the Torah scrolls. Sometimes it can be 10, 15 scrolls if it's a big Ark. We remove all of the scrolls. And we sing songs. We sing praises, we dance, and we encircle the bima. The bima is the podium, the table, where the Torah is usually read from. And this is called hakafot, hakafos. Hakafa means to go around and around. We encircle the bima seven times, at least seven, officially seven. Of course, we do more and more, 
with the Torahs, all of the Torah scrolls, dancing and singing the praises of Hashem, of God, the praises of the Torah. That's the custom. Why is this done on this holiday? Because every Shabbos, starting from after Simcha's Torah, we read one portion of the Torah. In the five books of Moses and the Torah, there are 53 portions. And in a year, there's about 50 weeks on the Jewish calendar. Sometimes there's a leap year, an extra month. Some parshas get doubled up if it's not a leap year. But every year, every Shabbos, we read one portion. We start from Bereshis, from Genesis, and go on and on. And when it comes to Simchas Torah, it's time to read the final parsha, the final portion of the fifth book of the book of Deuteronomy of Devarim, the parsha of Zosa Bracha, we conclude its reading and we go right back to the beginning. We roll it or we have another Torah and we roll and we start reading from the beginning from Bereshus. So the celebration is the conclusion of the reading, studying of the entire Torah. So it's a time dedicated to the Torah, the celebration. Now it's interesting that there's another holiday associated with Torah. We mentioned it before, Shavuot. Shavuos, which is seven weeks after Passover, is the day in the summer when we received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, 3,332 years ago. And we also celebrate the Torah. We read the Ten Commandments. We have cheese and dairy foods. So what's the difference? Why do we have two separate holidays? Why don't we just make the celebration then? Why don't we move things around? So there are lots spoken about this. It's a good question. But one idea we'll see in source number three and four. Source number three. On Shavuos, the conscious aspect of Torah is emphasized. Usually I have my water to have a little sip and <clears throat> keep my throat um, wet but I'm not in the sukkah right now. And we try not to eat, even drink anything out of the sukkah. So <clears throat> bear with me. Source 3. On Shavuos, the conscious aspect of Torah is emphasized. The Torah is studied all night. And the Ten Commandments are prominently read the next day. We interact with the letters the words, ideas of Torah, and great emphasis is placed on rededication to the word and will of God. That's Shavuos. Shavuos, we emphasize the conscious aspect, the, the mind, the studying of the Torah. There's many customs on Shavuos. First of all, we open the Torah scroll and we read the Torah. We read the Ten Commandments with fanfare. We stand up. We follow along. The night before, many have a custom to stay up and study Torah, to read different verses and stay up late studying Torah. Many synagogues have like workshops of different Torah thoughts being given by different community members and rabbis. We dedicate ourselves to the, to, to the Torah. We have dairy foods because Torah is compared to milk, which is very nourishing to a child and so on. And Torah is nourishing to our souls and, and it's so great that we have the Torah. Torah is so special. So on the holiday of Shavuos, we are emphasizing 
the we are emphasizing the study of Torah. We open the Torah, we study the Torah. That's what we're studying. That's what we're celebrating. Simcha's Torah is very different. When we come to Simcha's Torah, source number four, on Simcha's Torah, we dance, not study the Torah away. On this night, Torah scrolls resemble gifts in their wrapping. Like a child clutching his parents' gift, we elatedly draw the Torah to our bosoms. Touched and uplifted more by the overwhelming love and connection that lies behind the gift than the exciting prospects offered by the gift itself. A big difference. On Simcha's Torah, we don't read any, by the night of Simcha's Torah when we're celebrating, we're not reading any specific part of the Torah. We're not studying the Torah. How do we celebrate with the Torah? The Torah is closed. The mantle, the covering of the Torah, the, the velvet the, the covering is on. That's how we dance with the Torah. We're not studying the Torah. We're dancing with our feet. We dance with our bodies, not with our minds. It's a different celebration of the Torah. It's a different aspect of the Torah that we're focusing and emphasizing on on this holiday. Simcha's Torah is not about the intellectuals who study the Torah and how deep the Torah is and how nourishing it is. We're celebrating a gift. Not what the gift is so much right now. The first point is that we're studying that God gave us a gift. We didn't unwrap the gift yet. Imagine a child. A parent gives a child a gift, even before opening it. Wow, my parent gave me a child, gave me a gift. My parent loves me. I'm so excited. I'm so elated that I received a, a gift from my parents. The Torah is a gift to us from Hashem. Even before we unwrap the gift and we begin studying it with a new cycle, we are celebrating that love and connection that we feel from Hashem for giving us this gift. Even before it's unwrapped, the Torah is closed, the mantle is on the Torah. We're celebrating and dancing with the Torah. Celebrating that Hashem gave us the gift. We must be so precious in the eyes of Hashem. Hashem chose you and I and everyone that's here celebrating every Jewish person. Hashem gave us a gift. Even before emphasizing, even before opening the gift, we are dancing with the fact that God gave us a gift. And that is why everyone participates in the celebration. Source 5, we dance with the Torah while it is closed and covered. We don't open it up and show everybody and dance like that. No, we close the Torah. This reminds us that even if a Jew has not opened the Torah all year long, he still has a spiritual place in the Torah. Every Jew has a deep-rooted, innate connection to Torah. Torah belongs to one and all. It's not just for those that are intellectual and those that have studied it all year and they are celebrating the conclusion of studying the Torah. No! This is a celebration for every Jew. We're celebrating the gift that Hashem gave us and that gift was given to every single Jew. Source 6, this is why we dance in a circle on Simchas Torah. That's the Jewish way of dancing, the horror dance. We form a ring, we form a circle. And that's what Hakafas means. Hakafot means dancing in a circle. 
We don't just say we dance on Simchas Torah. No, we dance in a circle. And that's why, why specifically a circle? Because in a circle, a, a circle has no beginning and no end. No high point and no low point. All are equal in a circle. Not in a line. Not in a, everybody for themselves. Everybody is equal. In a circle, there's no beginning. It's not even a square where there's corners and there's this line and that line, different direction. A circle, everybody is the same. Because everybody is equally celebrating that gift that Hashem gave us. If we're studying the intellectual part of Torah, so then those that benefit more from the Torah, those that study more, those are more, those are the, maybe the rabbis or those that are very intellectual and, and more knowledgeable, then you can say they're studying because they appreciate the Torah. But that's not what Simchas Torah is a celebration about. On Simchas Torah, we're celebrating a closed Torah. We're celebrating the gift of the Torah, that God gave us a gift. And that's what we're celebrating. Yes, the gift is the Torah. And we're going to start reading it after Simchas Torah, or the next morning we'll begin the, a little bit of the first parsha. But what we're celebrating is something in which all of us celebrate equally, that gift that Hashem gave us. And that is why the way it's celebrated is dancing, not studying, in a circle, not a square. We're all equally a part of this celebration. That is our first section here. This is our first section. Everyone's free to leave comments. We'll, we'll discuss them while we, uh, at the end so we can move along. It gives us a little insight on what Simchas Torah was celebrating this Friday night. Begins the holiday. We already begin some dancing Friday night, but the main celebration is Motzei Shabbos, Saturday night, the eve of Simchas Torah. And there's some beautiful prayers that go along. Uh, we begin with a special tune and a special, special verses that we proclaim uh, collectively, each one um, saying aloud and others following. And each hakafa, each time we encircle the bima, we sing more praises of Hashem, of the Torah. And, you know, the special tune begins, And everybody repeats. And then we go to the next puzzle, the next verse. And we say, I think it's 17 verses. And then we... It's a beautiful uh, communal celebration. Everybody takes part in this celebration. And as we bring the Torahs back, there's a passage that we say, we say, Avraham, Abraham celebrated with the Torah. Yitzchak, Isaac, and Jacob celebrated with the Torah. Moshe celebrated with the Torah. Aaron, his brother, celebrated with the Torah. Samuel, the prophet, Shemuel celebrated. Elijah, the prophet, celebrated. King David, King Solomon, all of the, in history, our Jewish leaders all partook in the celebration of the Torah, and we are all collectively celebrating with the Torah. Let's move on to section number two. Perhaps we may have, we have, may have shared this uh, <clears throat> short story before, but Simchas Torah morning, usually prayers start a little later, because the night before, everybody's busy dancing, and uh, it's the first night that we are, you know, we're already not eating in the sukkah, so we could eat indoors, and we say a little... A little lachayim, and it's exciting, and the dancing can go late. There's no time limit how much you, each circle around the bima can take very long. So one year, Simchas Torah, this was in the 1700s, the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisroel Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, is in his hometown in Mezhibush. 
And while they're waiting, I guess, for the minion to come and shul to fill up, to begin the prayers, he relates to his disciples a story. Let me tell you what went on in heaven this morning. He says, this morning, the angels in heaven were getting bored. Because the angels pray along with the, with us. When we pray, and we praise Hashem, the angels sing along. But the angels can't begin their praises until we're ready. So Simchas Torah, the angels are not tired from last night. They're up right in order early. And they're ready to sing their praises and do their work. As we describe in the davening, we describe what goes on in the, in the heavens. The angels praising Hashem. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. These are praises of the, of the angels. That's why we say Baruch Shem. After we say Shema, we say Baruch Shem Kivod. That's a prayer that comes from the angels. We don't want them to get too upset. We have it. Either way, so <clears throat> what do they decide to do? They're, they're waiting for, the, for their um, job to begin. So meanwhile, they decided to clean up the heaven. This is what the Baal Shem Tov is telling. Obviously, it's some sort of metaphor, but this is what he's t- telling his students. And he says... They're cleaning up the heaven. And usually, what do they find in heaven? They find some ripped tzitzis, uh, some worn-out tefillin, a talis, uh, some mezuzah scrolls that were lost or, or, or not kosher. Any, you know, these are things that they find in heaven, kosher and Jewish stuff. But here, they found ripped shoes, shoelaces, a broken heel. These are all over the place. All over heaven, there's these shoes. And they couldn't figure out sandals. Couldn't figure out what's going on. Well, how did this end up in heaven? So they went to one angel, the Baal Shem Tov is saying, they went to the angel Michael, Malach Michael, the angel Michael. Michael is the defender of the, of the Jewish people, the advocate for the Jewish people. And they ask him, what's this? Any idea how this ended up in heaven? And he says, oh yeah, yeah, this is my merchandise. This is my stuff. This is from the dancing that the Jewish people danced last night with the Torah. And the shoes were ripped, their soles were worn out, their heels broke from the intense dancing, from the celebration, from the joy. And he, got, he started getting busy. The Malach, the angel Michal, said, oh, these are this, this pile. And he started making piles. This pile is the shoes from Mezhibush, the Jews from, that danced in Mezhibush. And these shoes are from Kaminke. And these shoes are from this city and that city. And, and he said, you know what I'm going to do with these shoes? With the shoelaces, I'm going to tie them. And usually... That one of the great angels makes a crown for Hashem from the prayers of the Jewish people. Today we're going to make a crown from the ripped shoes. This is what the Baal Shem Tov is telling his students. So our dancing, our showing our love to Hashem with the Torah is cherished on high. That go, let's move on to our second section on our source sheet, source number seven. We're going to look at the Torah portion after all the dancing, we have a good night's sleep. And the next morning, we begin, we take out the Torah, and we conclude the final parsha, the parsha of Zoe Sabrocha. And this is the blessing that Moshe, Moses, gave to the Jewish people before his passing, the final parsha of the Torah, a rather short one. And Moses gives a blessing to each. Still frozen? Let me know if it's, uh, it's better now. <clears throat> Moses gives a blessing to each of the tribes and the Torah describes his passing. And we'll look at the last verse. Let me check over here. 
Okay, it's not frozen on my end, so I hope you can refresh your page and come back on. And we'll look at the last verse that the Torah, um, how the Torah describes the ending of Moshe's life. Take a look at source number seven. Source number seven. And all the Torah is describing Moshe, the last couple of verses of the Torah, describing the, the, great, the greatness of, of Moshe, what kind of personality he was, how he made the great miracles in Egypt with the ten plagues, and all of the great things, how he spoke face to face with Hashem. And what's the final... What's the final verse that the Torah concludes with describing Moshe, the leader of the Jewish people, great man, man of God, as the Torah describes him. What's the last verses that concludes the Torah and concludes describing the greatness of Moshe, source 7, and all the strong hand which Moshe performed before the eyes of all Israel. What does this mean? All the strong hand. That Moshe performed. What kind of strong hand did Moshe perform in front of the eyes of all of Israel? <clears throat> Tells us that Rashi brings from the Midrash. Midrash calls Sifri. And the Midrash tells us this expression alludes to the incident where his heart stirred him to smash the tablets before their eyes and God gave his approval. What is the strong hand? Moshe was coming down from the mountain when he received the two tablets with, God, with the inscription of the Ten Commandments. And what did Moshe do? Moses took the two tablets and his heart stirred him when he witnessed, he saw the golden calf that the Jewish people were worshipping. Just 40 days after hearing God say in the Ten Commandments, there shall be no, no other God, you shall not worship any... Any golden cat, any gold, uh, or, or you know, uh, icons and and uh, things like that. What did Moshe do when he sees that? With his mighty hands, he smashed the tablets containing the Ten Commandments in front of their eyes, and that's what the verse refers to. When the verse says, "And all the strong hand which Moshe performed, he did this." This is what it is: smashing the tablets before the eyes of all of Israel. Question is, what do we do? We read this last verse. The Baal Korah reading the Torah says, he did this in front of the eyes of all of Israel. And everybody stands up and we announce, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Let's be strong, let's be strengthened. What's going on here? This is the praise of Moses. Moshe is passing away. This is his the epitome, the ultimate praise for Moses that he smashed the tablets. He did ten plagues he brought. He split the sea and he was, spoke to God face to face. So what a communication he had. And what's the greatest thing that he did? He smashed the tablets. Man, come on. He was the one that smashed them. Why is that a praise? That, why is that a way to sum up his whole life? That's, that's the greatest thing. That's what we conclude the entire five books with. That's a sad thing. So let's analyze this for a moment. 
And why would we read this on Simchas Torah? We're celebrating the Torah. Why are we bringing in a sad event of smashing the tablets? Let's take a look. Let's analyze this and see if we can come up with an explanation. Source number eight. At the end of 40 days, we have a quote here from the Torah, two quotes. At the end of 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord gave me two stone tablets. Moshe says, where did these tablets come from? The first tablets were heavenly. God gave me two stone tablets. Moshe didn't come up with them. The second tablets, he came up with them, but he... he um, He did that himself. But the first tablets God gave him. Imagine. They were God's hand creation. God makes everything. But this was, he went up to the mountain and he came down with two stone tablets. And the tablets were God's work and the inscription was God's inscription. Engraved on the tablets. God wrote the Ten Commandments, all 620 letters of the Ten Commandments on the stone. Priceless. No price can be put on such a piece. You can imagine how precious these stones were. I wonder which museum they would be displayed in. Made by God. Inscribed by God. <clears throat> and for sure for the Jewish people. For sure for Moshe. Moshe was so close to Hashem. You can imagine how precious he was given these tablets to get delivered to the Jewish people. And imagine how precious they were in his eyes. And what does he do when he sees the Jewish people sin? Source 9. I grasp the two tablets, cast them out of my two hands, and shatter them before your eyes. He shattered them. Now, it's interesting. Moshe is coming down the mountain. They, these were heavy stones. He was holding them really tight. Why does he say, I grasped the two tablets? Cast them out of my hands and shatter them. Well, obviously, he was grasping them. He was holding them the whole time. Even before he came low, low enough to see what was going on in the camp, he was from coming down. He was holding, he was grasping the tablets. If you can hear me, just let me know. If you don't mind, give me a thumbs up or a comment. I want to make sure everyone's <clears throat> I'm not frozen. So... Why does Moshe say, I grasp the two tablets? So the Midrash tells us, one of the Midrash is called Avos Der Abnasan, continuing at source 9, the 70 elders, they were elders, thank you, Jody, the leaders of the Jewish people, the 70 elders, when they saw that Moshe is about to, what he's about to do, they grabbed onto them and did not let him throw them down. <laughs> he said, hey, don't smash, these are holy. Until he finally overpowered them and shattered the tablets. You think Moshe just did it easily? He didn't do it quickly without thinking. There was a debate. There was a struggle. Seventy against one. Moshe is coming down the mountain with the tablets and he sees the, the golden calf and he wants to smash the, the tablets. The seventy old elders run up and say, Hey, don't do that. We were waiting 40 days for this. We weren't part of this golden calf. And either way, these, these, were, these are made by God. Made in heaven. And they tried to stop him. They tried to grab it away from him. What does Moshe say? I grasped. I held on so tight. And I smashed the tablets. I didn't let them get in the way. 
I didn't let them stop me and take it away from me. I smashed the tablets. Why would he smash the tablets? And why is that such a praise for Moshe? What message is there? So, what does it say on the tablets? The tablet said, I am God your God. Number two, do not worship other gods. And the Jews transgressed that. And therefore they were deserving of the punishment, which was not very good. So what does Moshe do? He smashes the tablets. Not just, you know, worthy of, the, of the, getting the tablets. I'm smashing them. It's as if it doesn't exist. It's as if there's no contract here between God and the Jews. As if there's no marriage. As if it didn't happen yet. And therefore, they are not liable. They're not deserving of punishment. Let's start over. Yes, they sinned. But that's not a reason for annihilation. There's no tablets. There's no evidence. That was Moshe trying to say. And Deepor, source number 10. Rebbe's explanation here. This is at a talk. Always before the, the Hakafas, before the... the, the Hi, Vicky. Before the beginning of the dancing on Simcha's Torah night, the Rebbe would lead up Fabrengen. He, you know, only at 12 or 1 o'clock in a.m. would start. But we'll, we'll say, share soon a story. I'll explain a little more. But till then, for the first couple hours, the Rebbe would have a Fabrengen every year and give talks and, and dancing and see even before the official ceremony of taking out the Torahs and dancing around. And the Rebbe would, would expound on Torah, on, on the Parsha. And one year, this is 19... 84. My father was there and he'd always say over when the Rebbe would give over this thought. Hi, Jack. And, and uh, this is a quote here from what the Rebbe was saying. Source 10. The Rebbe cried a lot when he said this. Moses, Moshe, was telling God, Source 10, if according to the Torah they do not deserve to live, then reveal your essential bond with them. When this essential bond is revealed, you can then reconnect with them through it and forgive them for their lapse in their observance of the Torah. Yes, there is a connection that Hashem has with us, God has with us, that if we follow the Torah, then good. If not, then we're doomed. Or not doomed, but there's consequences. They, if you have the Torah, you have the tablets here, it says, do not worship other gods. They did. That's a problem. By Moshe smashing the tablets, he was telling God, forget the Torah for now. We're smashing the Torah. Don't just put it aside. There's no Torah right now. Move aside the Torah. We are your children. You are our father. There is a loving connection here. There's a bond. We have a soul, a piece of God inside of us. Just as children are offsprings of their parents and no matter how they behave, no matter they follow the directions and instructions of the parents, they give them nachas, they don't yet give them nachas, there's still that innate bond and love connection. Sometimes you just have to arouse that. Yes, a parent might get upset sometimes at the child's behavior. How come they're not accomplishing, they're not achieving Maybe they're chutzpah sometimes. But deep down, a parent loves that child no matter what. And at times they need to dig in and reveal to arouse that deep love. 
That's what Moshe was telling God. He said, you want the Jewish people as your people? There's going to be times that we're not, we may not follow exactly what, what we're supposed to. But we're your children. And just dig deep. Smash the tablets. What does Moshe say? Yes, the tablets are the precious Torah. But Moshe smashes the tablet. I'm not just waiting. I'm not just going to put it away in the cupboard, in the safe, till things settle down. I'm smashing the tablets because I want you to look beyond, deeper than the tablet. Bring up that connection that we are your children. Yes, they disobeyed your command. They were tempted. They were challenged. There was a miscalculation of the days. Whatever, whatever happened. Bad influence. But they are your children. Look deeper than the Torah. Smash the tablets for right now. And arouse that deep love that you have for them. You are our father. And we are your children. No matter what we do. And that was a sacrifice for Moshe. That was true avat Israel love for a fellow. Moshe was devoted. He was a leader putting his own interests and things that he hold, held precious. You can imagine. In the eyes of Moshe, the tablets were as precious as anything. He hand was given in his hands. Man, God made tablets with God's inscription. And he breaks it. To save his brothers. To save his sisters. Source 11. Moshe allowed his love for the people to override his deep respect for the Torah. He smashed the tablets. Publicly disgracing the Torah for the people's sake. That takes emotion. Not everybody could do that. It is therefore fitting that the Torah's account of Moshe's life ends with this. The most eloquent expression of his devotion to his people. Yes, he communicated with God and he did the the blood and the frogs and all of this, what the sea, and he did so many things for the Jewish people. But what's the most ultimate expression of praise that Moshe did? How can we best praise Moshe? That he took what's most precious to him, the tablets, and he smashed it in front of the eyes of all the Jewish people. He gave up for his people and he taught us a lesson in front of all of the, the eyes of all of the Jews. He says, maybe there will be a Jew in future times that maybe won't be perfect in following the Torah. But look what I'm doing. I'm smashing the Torah. Yes, we have to follow the Torah. But that should not take away from the love for each and every one of us. It should have for each other. And that's what Simchas Torah is t- teaching us as well. When we study, when we celebrate on Simchas Torah, we conclude with this verse sending us a message. How? We celebrate on Simchas Torah. Every Jew has a neshama. Every Jew is part of this celebration. Source 12. The last letter of the Torah, of this verse, Le'inei kol Yisrael, the eyes of all of Israel, is a lamed. Yisrael. Israel. A L in English. A lamed. And then we go back to the beginning of the Torah. The first letter, Bereshis, a bez. Vez, same letter, bet, avet. Two Hebrew letters, alamid and abet. What does that spell? Source 12, the Hebrew letters, lamid, bet, spell out the Hebrew word lev, which means a heart. This alludes to the heart of the Torah. This story that Moshe smashed the tablets in front of the eyes of all of Israel, that's the heart. The lamid is the last letter. We go right back to the beginning, the bez. 
This is the last and the first letter of the Torah. What's the heart of the Torah? The heart of the Torah is that no matter how one behaves, ultimately, deep down, Hashem loves us. We love Hashem. And that's who we truly are. On Simcha's Torah, that comes out to the forefront. And we celebrate with the Torah. We celebrate with the gift that Hashem gave each and every one of us. We close the Torah. It's not about how much we observe the Torah, how much we study the Torah. There are other holidays for that. Today we're celebrating that we are God's children. And we as children of God receive the gift from Hashem. That's what we're celebrating. Hashem loves us. No matter what happened, Hashem gave us a gift. The Torah is the gift. The Torah is closed. The mantle is on. We're celebrating with the gift that Hashem gave us. We are His children and He loves us and He gave us a gift. That's the summation of the entire Torah. That's the summation of Moshe's life. And that's the heart of the Torah. The heart, the life of Torah is to put ourselves on the side for another. Moshe put his own preferences, if you can say, on the side for his fellow Jews. And we should do the same. Okay, moving on to section number three on our source sheet, number 13. Source number 13. It's not just any gift we got from God. Along with the gift of the Torah, we got a piece of Hashem Himself with the Torah. Again, feel free to leave your comments and we'll get back to them as soon as we're done here. Source 13, talking about the two tablets. The first word of the Ten Commandments is Anochi. Oh, I wanted to say, <laughs> someone mentioned it, that things were frozen. I was frozen for a moment here. It reminded me of a story my grandfather <clears throat> told me. When he was younger, this is in the 1930s in uh, Soviet Russia, learning in uh, some sort of underground or hidden yeshiva, you know, a couple of boys together. And he had a teacher, Rabbi Shmuel, and, and he, was, he told him a story that there was once a soldier, one of the Tsar's soldiers, it's cold, freezing Russia, and he was standing on his uh, post, guarding Excuse me, and it was so cold outside, so freezing that he, that he, um, his toes froze, you know, he couldn't, move. froze, it was so cold outside. And they had to, you know, bring him to the, you know, place to warm up and so on and deal with his frozen uh, frostbite and uh, toes and so And instead of having mercy on him, look how loyal he was. He stood in the freezing cold, even letting his toes be uh, frozen. Those were different days. Those were, this is army. This is strict. Discipline. And they actually said he deserves lashes. 25 lashes. Why? Because when he was sworn into the army to, and he took oath to be loyal to the Tsar, to Russia, that... Sw that swearing in, the warmth of that ceremony should have warmed him up years later, standing in a freezing cold Russia. He should have been so excited, so dedicated to serve his country, serve the king, that that should have literally warmed him up. And he was telling the story to the boys that 
Similarly, yeah, you know, time goes on, things happen, we get into a routine, but that warmth, that dedication that we took upon ourselves, we dedicate ourselves special times during the year on holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Simchas Torah, that warmth, that enthusiasm should stick with us, stay with us, and whatever freezing weather, whatever challenges we go through, we stand strong and we're warmed by that feeling. So these holidays, they're energizing. They give us focus and inspiration to carry on even after the holidays. And we're not dancing, we're not singing, maybe alone sometimes. Remember how we were during the holidays. Okay, let's get back to source number 13. Clock is ticking here. So the opening word of the Ten Commandments is Anochi. Anochi Hashem Al-Kecha. I am God your God. Anochi means I. So the word Anochi has four Hebrew letters. Aleph, Nun, Kaf, Yud is an acronym for words in Aramaic that mean I have written myself into this book that I am giving you. Aleph is Ano, I, Nun is Nafshi, my soul, I, my soul, Kaf Kisavis, in the writings, Yud Yehavis, I inserted. I inserted the essence of my soul into the writings of the Torah. God says, I didn't just write a book and give you a book. Here, here's the Torah. No, no, no. In these writings, in the book of the Torah, I inserted myself. I gave myself, my essence, into the Torah. You want to find me? It's in the Torah. It's not just a gift. I gave you a gift. Oh, I know. I remember who gave me this gift. Sometimes I forget. No, no, no. It's not just a gift from God. This is God giving himself to us in this gift. It's not just a set of laws that God gave us. Source 14. The Mishnah tells us in Perkei Avos, if two sit together and there are words of Torah spoken, as we're doing right now, we have more than two, and there are words of Torah being spoken, then the Shekhinah, God's presence, abides among them. Yes, God is everywhere. But specifically, there are some places, a synagogue, temple, Jerusalem, there are special places where God's presence is felt more, and is more present even if it's not felt. But it's there. When two people sit and study Torah, the Shekhinah is there. It's not my words. This is the words of the Torah and Mishnah. Even one person who sits and engages in Torah study, the divine presence is with him. Even by himself or herself. When you sit and study Torah, the divine presence is there. You're not just studying the book that Hashem gave us. You're, God is there right with you when you're studying Torah. The, Hashem is in the Torah. When you study Torah, Hashem is there. Source 15, the Torah is not just the best book ever written for man. It contains not only the most comprehensive moral and legal code, the greatest insight into human nature and psychology, and a selection of multifaceted stories that provide profound messages for living a noble and meaningful life. No, it's not just that. Yes, Torah has all that too. What's Torah? The gift that Hashem gave us is such a gift while we're celebrating on Simcha's Torah that wherever, wherever, whenever, and however a Jew learns Torah, God is there with him partnering in study. The experience of Torah engages both the conscious and subconscious elements of the Jew. Yes, 
with your mind, with your brain. You got to study, understand what is the law? How do I do this? What is forbidden? What is permitted? What is kosher? What is not kosher? What time? You got to learn. But in addition to the study of Torah, the conscious mind, there is the subconscious part of us that is being engaged here. Consciously, he or she acquires wisdom and understanding through a corpus of academic knowledge. Subconsciously, his soul or her soul converses with the divine. Consciously, his or her brain is sharpened, his or her heart is softened, and his character or her character is molded, gets affected, gets inspired, gets influenced by the teachings of Torah. But subconsciously, beyond that, deeper than that, when studying Torah, the soul is nourished and rejuvenated. Hashem is right there, giving our neshama energy and bringing out the Jew in us to the forefront. When we study Torah, this gift that God gave us, we're, stu- we're celebrating, even without studying it yet, we're studying such a gift that God gave us not just he gave us a gift, he gave us himself in the gift. Not just it's the best book and it's wise and so on and so forth, it's meaningful, quality, right? We're studying the gift. Hashem gave us a gift. Hashem loves us and he gave us such a gift that he himself is in the gift. So on Shavuos, when we study here, got the Ten Commandments, and we eat dairy food because the Torah is so, so meaningful and so wise and it's a, and we study the Torah. That's one element of Torah. But then when on Simcha's Torah was celebrating, we close the Torah. We dance with it in, in its mantle. And everybody takes part in the celebration. We're celebrating that we're children of Hashem and Hashem gave us a gift and such a gift that He Himself is found in the gift. We have a relationship with Hashem. Yes, Torah is special. But the Torah is a medium where we can connect to Hashem. It's Hashem's Torah. Hashem inserted Himself in the words of Torah when we studied Bereshah's Bar Elohim. In the beginning, God created. Yes, I'm knowing. I'm now knowing that God created the world in six days. But in addition to that, God is right there. That connection is His presence. He's our Father. And we're His children. That's Simcha's Torah. Moving on to our final section, source 17. We'll look at two verses back to the Parsha of Izosa Bracha. In this Parsha, Moses gives a blessing to each of the 12 tribes before his passing. But there are some verses that are general verses, general blessings and messages to the entire Jewish people. Moses is 120 years old. It's the last day of his life. Close to the last day of his life. And what are his parting words to the Jewish people? Two points. We'll look at two of them. Which is connection connected to this theme that we're discussing here of Simchas Torah. And then we'll conclude with a beautiful story. Source 17. The Torah that Moshe commanded us is the heritage of the entire congregation of Jacob. This is a verse. You ever heard this song? We sing it with Hebrew school children. Torah, 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 Tzivalano Moshe, Morasha Kehilas Yaakov. The Torah that Moses commanded us is Morasha. Morasha means an inheritance. It is a heritage for the entire 
congregation of Jacob, all of the children of Israel. Mid in halacha it says that when a child begins to talk, what's the first words you teach them besides mommy and daddy and thank you and please? The first words we teach a Jewish child is say Torah, Siva, Lanu Moshe, Morasha, Kilas Yaakov. Every child. These are the, the words of Torah should be the first words they are saying. They learn to talk. They learn to speak. But what is Moshe telling them? That the Torah that I'm teaching you is Morasha. He doesn't say it's a gift. We're talking here it's a gift. He uses another term. Morasha. It's an inheritance. It's a heritage. Something that you inherit. Why does he use this expression? Inheritance, continuing in source 17, inheritance is not earned. It is the automatic consequence of a parent-child relationship. The type revealed between God and Jew on Simchas Torah. Hi, Judy. Welcome to our final section of our Lunch and Learn. We're talking about Simchas Torah. What does Moshe tell the Jewish people before his passing? And we read on Simchas Torah that this Torah is Morasha, it's an inheritance to every member of the congregation of Jacob, every Jew. You don't got to do anything. A parent, God forbid, passes away. The child inherits the parent's possessions, unless there are other arrangements are made, but a child automatically, as soon as a parent passes on, the children inherit. Not because they were good to their parents. Not because they honored and respected their parents and they followed their every word. If their makeup is from these parents, if they are an offspring of the parents, then they receive automatically, they inherit their parents' possessions. Yeah, parents can decide to do whatever they want before they pass on. But according to Torah law, as soon as the parent passes, if no other arrangements are made, the child inherits. Not because of their behavior. Not because of their achievements. Not because, even if it's a child, a one-day-old child, just born, the child inherits. Because the child is a child of the parent. Not something that you do, that you have to do in order to deserve it. And that's the Torah. The Torah belongs to every Jew. Each and every one of us is a child. We have an Ashama. We have a piece of Hashem. We are a child of Hashem. We're children, the Torah says. Bonim atem l'ashem melokechem. You are children of God. We inherit from Hashem. Hashem gave us the inheritance. What does Moshe tell the Jewish people? Morasha. It's not just a gift. Maybe a gift you have to deserve. Maybe uh, it's a reward. No, no. There's other aspects of Torah. Torah is here as inheritance. You are born a Jew. You have the Torah as a gift to you. Or if you become a Jew, convert through conversion, you're born, it becomes like a new entity, uh, identity. Torah is a gift for you. Not just a gift, it's an inheritance. It belongs to you. Even before a child is old enough to study it. It belongs to you. The Torah is, a, is your inheritance. That is what Moshe tells the Jewish people before his passing. That's what he finds so important to tell the Jewish people after 40 years of leading them in the desert. What is, what's his message to them? You should know. The Torah is your inheritance. And the inheritance of every single one of you and every single one of your children. Source 18. Moshe understood that in order for the Torah to survive the test of time, in order for it to be transmitted and studied throughout the generations, 
more than telling the Jews about any particular quality of the Torah. It was vital to make sure they understood the Torah is their inheritance. Yeah, the Torah is like milk, and Torah is nourishing, and Torah is rewards, and so on. What's, what, what does he find important to taught them? No. Number one, the Torah is yours. Don't ever think, oh, I did this, I did that, I'm not part of it, it's not for me. Who am I? I don't deserve this. It's not, I, I, I'm so bad, I, I sinned. The Torah is an inheritance. No matter how we may have behaved, the Torah is ours. We're God's children and we inherit the Torah. Source 19. Even if the Jew is not aware of the preciousness of the Torah, even if the Jew does not want the Torah and even tries to escape it, I don't want to have any portion of this. He and the Torah are one. The Torah is our inheritance because of the essential bond between God and the Jewish soul. A child might say, I don't want the inheritance of the parent. You can go ahead and, and, and uh, give it up, but it technically belongs to you. You can say, I relinquished a relationship in an inheritance. The Torah doesn't work like that. It automatically belongs to you. You may say that you do not want it, but the Torah is such an inheritance that you can't even give it up. It's yours. It's an automatic ownership to each and every one of us. That is point number one that Moshe tells the Jewish people to remember. It's yours. Source 20. Another verse he tells them. <clears throat> we read this on Simchas Torah. Ashrech Yisrael Ashrech Yisrael. Source 20. Fortunate are you, O Israel. Who is like you? He's talking to the Jewish people. And he's telling them, Know that you are fortunate. You are lucky. Yes, I know what's coming. Moshe knew what Jewish history is going to look like. And he tells them, remember, Ashrecha Yisrael, you are fortunate. Be proud of who you are. Be proud, be proud of being who you are. Source, uh, continuing at Source 20. What wonderful parting words. Moshe was proclaiming, not just to the Jews that were there, right there. He is writing these words in Torah, which will be studied by all Jewish people. When we conclude the Torah, on Simcha's Torah, what message is Moshe telling us? Moshe was proclaiming to the Jew of Israel, to the Jew of, of Babylonia, to the Jew of Tunisia and Spain, as the Jewish community moved from Israel to Babylonia, to, to Spain, Tunisia, later Ashkenazi Jewry in France, Poland, Russia, and America. What is Moshe's message? My beloved nation and my fellow Jews. How lucky, how fortunate you are. How wonderful it is to be a Jew. Some used to say in Yiddish, Oy It's so hard to be a Jew. We suffer so much. Some people don't like us. And sometimes they tell us about it. It's expensive. Can't do this, can't do that. Moshe tells them, remember, wherever you are, remember, fortunate are you. Source 21, you are lucky to be Jewish. Yes, although you may live through hell on earth for the next three millennia, you should and will, will always hold your head high. Yes, being Jewish is a gift, a cause for joy, a peace of heaven. Yes, Torah mitzvahs are a blessing. They connect us to our Creator 
and transform this world into a better place for all mankind. Ashrecha Yisrael. Let's remember who we are and be proud of it. When I teach the Bar Mitzvah boys, I like to share with them the story. We actually watched a video of it. An interview with a woman named Ruth. Ruth, I uh, forget her last name. Uh, I forget her last name now. She, at the time of the interview, probably in the 80s, she was living in Australia. She's already older. And she, Holocaust survivor, and she was saying a long interview, but we just watched a couple of minutes. One story is when she was a 12-year-old girl. And this is the 1940s, you know, midst of the, of the Holocaust, probably early 40s. She was still living in her hometown. And the, the law was, under the Nazi regime, was that the Jewish people needed to wear an armband with a Star of David. Some had it on their, on their, on their coat, some had it on their, they had to wear it on the armband. This particular place is on the armband, the yellow or white uh, band with a Star of David on it. And there was a curfew, they needed to be home at a certain time. And she was rushing home, she went out somewhere and she was rushing home with her coat, and she had her armband around her arm with the Star of David, and if, God, if someone would be caught without the armband, we don't want to mess with them. And she's rushing home to get home on time, and she's, you know, she says the story, she's skipping and, uh, you know, uh, home, and she's trying to get home on time, and while she was running, apparently the armband got covered I, uh, you know, slipped out of out of space, a spot, out of the right spot, and was what well, wasn't visible. One on the inside, is that on the outside, and suddenly she sees two tall SS guards coming over to her, and they tell her in German, "Avu is dein," and know in Yiddish, sound, "Where is your Shande Bande?" She says they asked her, "Where is your band of shame?" That's how they refer to the armband. Where is your band of shame? That's the they wanted the Jews to wear this. It was an, a way of humiliation. Where is your band of, of shame? Your shande bande. In Yiddish, a shande. I'm sure you know this word, a shande. Shande for the goyim. A shande. And she says that she responded. And she, she says she's a 12-year-old girl. But what was her automatic response to them? She says, it's not a shande bande. It's a ere bande. It's a band of honor, era, out of respect. Of respect. I'm, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not humiliated by wearing this armband. I'm proud of who I am. Yes, I'm suffering. We're suffering. We're being tormented under the, at the time under the Nazis. And they're making us wear this. But this, to me, is a band of honor of who I am, of my heritage, of the people I come from. It's a band of honor. And they wouldn't give in. You know, sometimes the they were, they couldn't get to the Jewish soul, the, the SS. They, they were, and they said, no, it's a, it's a band of shame. And she said, no, it's a band of honor. And back and forth, she wouldn't give in. And they wanted her to tell, to agree that it's a band of shame. And she said she, she woke up in the hospital, you know. <laughs> but it was just amazing, she said, that that feeling they had, even all that they went through, suffering. Yet, they held their heads high and they were proud of who they are. Source 22. We're coming up to the holiday of Simchas Torah this Friday night. Saturday night, Moses Shabbos, we begin Simchas Torah, the great celebration. And uh, stay tuned. 
hopefully we'll have something outdoors, some sort of uh, in-place celebration for Simchas Torah. As we look back on the most powerful month of the year, accepting God's sovereignty on Rosh Hashanah, being forgiven on Yom Kippur, uniting with God and our fellow Jews on Sukkot, dancing our souls and souls out on Simchas Torah, it is now the time to declare our pride in our Jewishness. We're proud to be who we are. We dance. We dance in the street. We're proud with the gift that Hashem has given us. And we dance the way, we dance the night away. As we tell the Hebrew school students, I'm a Jew and I'm proud and I'll sing it out loud because forever that's what I'll be. Source 23. Wrapping up today's Lunch and learn. In the business world, people work in order to be able to holiday. In the Jewish world, we holiday in order to be able to work. Sometimes we get when we're business, we're in business, we're working. We can't wait. We have it's time. We have vacation. We have enough money. Where it's it's a break, and we can go on vacation, and that's that's exciting. So we work and we work until we. Till the next vacation, till we could relax with family and friends and have a good time. In the Jewish world, the holidays are there to infuse us, to elevate us. We holiday in order to be able to get back to work. When we get back into work, and we get back into the day-to-day, the rhythm of regular life, we carry that inspiration from the holidays with us. We holiday in order to be able to get back to work, back doing mitzvahs the rest of the year, studying Torah, doing what we do, making this world a better place, knowing that we have the Torah, who we are, being proud of who we are, being happy with the gift that Hashem has given us, and taking time to unwrap that gift and make use of it. Conclude with a short story, then we'll look at some of the comments. The story is about a... Dancing man, a man dancing on Simchas Torah night. One of the things the Rebbe encouraged over the years was that on the night of Simchas Torah, uh, we should go out to other synagogues, uh, other communities, and bring the joy of the holiday to them. Many shuls to help help the, the joy and the dancing. And the Rebbe from Crown Heights would encourage um, a couple younger men or, or yeshiva students to go out before the <clears throat> celebration begins at 7.70. That's why it started at 1 o'clock in the morning because till then, boys would walk or young men would walk across Brooklyn to Manhattan, even to Queens, and to bring the, the joy of the 7.70 flavor the joy to other shuls while they're doing their hakafa celebration, then they would come back. At my time, the Rebbe would ask that they come back, that everybody come back, to the farthest group come back, and then the Rebbe would start uh, the celebration himself in 770, going till early hours of the morning. And actually here in Seagate, every year we get a nice delegation of boys that walk all the way from Karnites, uh, two, three, three hour walk. Um, and Bring the joy. Help us in our community, in our shul. So one such man, this was in the ni- late 1960s, 1969. 
he would always go to a shul not too far from Crown Heights in East Flatbush. And he would uh, you know, dance and sing. And one year, he's in the shul, he's dancing, and he has five children with him. Took his, his boys and girls with him. And he's dancing and dancing, with, singing with such excitement, such fervor. And there was a 14-year-old boy watching him dancing. And he turns to his father and says, look at that man. He looks like the happiest man on earth. He's dancing with such um, alacrity and such chayas. Uh, you know, look at him. He's just so happy. Amazing. I'm so inspired by him. And the father tells him, which man? That man over there? You know that that man, six days ago, lost his wife. She was 42 years old. And she had leukemia and she just passed away, leaving him with five children. You see him dancing like that? That's a real Yid. That's a real Jew. Even in the hardest times. Just lost his wife and left her. She left him with five little kids. Look at the way he's dancing, because he knows that today, tonight is Simchas Torah, and on Simchas Torah, a Jew dances. And there's something deeper than anything. There's something that goes beyond every anything that can happen. He's still rejoicing. And this boy was very, very touched. Wow, he would never imagine this man just what, what he just went through. Later on, this man made his way back to 770, and his he joined the Rebbe's Fabringen, the Rebbe's public uh, ceremony, you know, talks, and and uh, till till the actual Hakafa celebration began, and the Rebbe would give talks, and between the talks, somebody would start a nigun, a a, uh, a melody, and his job was to start the melodies. This man, his name was Svi Herschel Gansberg, Heshke, Gansberg. And he comes back, he's at his place, you know, where he would stand. And the Rebbe finishes the talk. And all eyes are on him. And everybody's wondering, what kind of song is he going to start? Everybody knew this new young widower just lost his wife after an illness. Left him with five orphans. Imagine what he was going through. He didn't even have a chance to sit to Shiva because she passed away on Sukkot. A few days before, they're wondering what nigun, what melody is he going to start? And he stands up and he starts a nigun, a melody with the words in Russian. The words in Russian, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's a very, it's a Hasidic joyous melody, which means in fire. In water we will not drown, and in fire we will not burn. This is the words that he began to sing. And the Rebbe looked at him so lovingly, knowingly, and he begins, everyone begins to hum along and sing along. And suddenly the Rebbe pushes back his chair and stands up and starts waving his hand vigorously and encouraging the singing. And the Rebbe dance up and down, up and down, and... Those witnesses there said the Rebbe never danced like that before or after. Such joy. The Rebbe was looking at him and, and, and uh, giving him the strength. And everybody was jumping along in 770 
In fire we will not burn. In water we will not drown. We're beyond. There's something deeper than everything. With all that's going on, it's Simchas Torah. It's time to rejoice. It's time to be happy with the Torah. With God's gift to us. There's something that goes on beyond what we can see, what we can understand. And we're strong. We're strong. In fire we will not burn. In water we will not drown. Yes, Moses tells them we might live through hell. And perhaps we're living through that now. We rise above and we find the strength from the Torah. So this Simchas Torah, take a Torah. If, you don't have, if you're at home, take a book of Torah. Dance with the Torah at home and stay tuned as we did on Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. We do plan to have something outdoors. Stay tuned for the details. It's Simchas Torah and it's a Jewish holiday. And the Torah says we should rejoice. Okay, that wraps up our Lunch and Learn number 109. It's Sukkot today, but we studied about the upcoming holiday, the holiday of Simchas Torah. And if you have any comments, feel free to put it in the comments now so we can talk about it. We are concluding our weekly Lunch and Learn study session. Okay, Chag Sameach. Um, Hank, oh, hi Hank. Nice to see you, if you're still on. Um, Amy, the mathematical definition of circle that set is all points. Single point. Okay, I'm not sure I understand exactly what that means, but uh, I guess all points are all equal. Okay, thank you. And yeah, there's a, there's so much to talk about the actual tablets. I'm reading here about the the missing letter. The letters that it says called Porchois, they were, they um, flew off the tablets. Uh, we, we can have a whole class discussing the actual story of the breaking of the tablets. So we'll just focus today on the, this, that, what the, that the Torah found it important to conclude the Torah with this story. The story is mentioned back in, in, uh, in Exodus and it's mentioned other places also. The, the, at length, it's in, in Exodus. But, why does the Torah have to bring this as a praise of Moshe? And that's why we—that's like the summation of Moshe's life and the whole Torah. That's and that is to bring out that message of how we should look at another, how we should look at ourselves if things happen. That's Simchas Torah. Let's wrap this up. Simchas Torah is a time when we celebrate the gift that Hashem has given each and every one of us. It's an inheritance. We should be proud of who we are and the gift that we have. The Torah is not just a gift, but it's a gift that gives us Hashem with us, with it. When we study the Torah, that's why when we study Torah, we study it with a certain measure of respect and honor. We know we should be dressed properly. We know it's best to, uh, you know, we don't read it. And, and we read it with, we're studying Torah. I know God is, as if God is right here. Are, are we comfortable with God coming in right here? So we sit up, we, uh, a certain, certain um, atmosphere we create when we study Torah. Because God is right there with us studying the Torah. And we see the messages as the Torah concludes, the reading of the Torah on, on, on the Simchas Torah is that Moshe smashed the tablets because put aside the Torah for a moment and there's something deeper. There's a deep connection. Yes, of course we have to study Torah and we have to follow the Torah to the best of our ability. But that should not turn us off. Because no matter what happened, 
there is that innate bond and connection, and we have that connection to the Torah. Okay, thank you for joining us today for Lunch and Learn. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy Sukkot. And tomorrow we have here on the lawn at 5.30 a chance to shake the lulav and esrog outdoors. So come by to uh, 3844 Lime Avenue. And tune back next week, Tuesday at 12.15 for another Lunch and Learn.